Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. So Microsoft has done a study on this and various employment agencies like Robert Half has done studies on this and Kronos has done studies on this, that a four-day work week actually does lead to not only the same productivity as a five-day work week, but significantly up to 40% more productivity. Because I guess people are more relaxed, they're, they're happier, yep. and they cite all these things, that, that their quality of life is better, so they work harder. Well, I just think when you're in the shower, when you're on an airplane, when you're like, when you're in a time in which somebody is telling you, this is time in which you cannot be productive. You can't be. You, can, you can't sit here and write emails. You can't do out, cold outreach. You can't whatever. You don't have access. Your brain feels relieved of this idea of like being focused on trying to create something and, it, you know, or get specific work done. And as a result, it's able to wander and come up with different ideas and, and this kind of thing. And I think that I think that a lot of people would be better served by having some of that time than having to be in an office thinking about like, how do I look productive? or How do I look like I'm working hard? Or how do I create this next idea or whatever? Brendan, we're going to talk about the. You think it's better, and I agree. By the way, you think it's better if we have a four-day work week than a five-day work week. I totally agree. I, I I did I did my my homework on this, but let me hear what you have to say about the four-day work week. Yeah. So first of all, I think it, the best situation would be you just don't want to work. I, period. I, I really Can don't. I have a day off every week? That's your I really, goal. I really. I'm not even going to hide it, dude. I really. I feel like this will be terrible for my like higher ability <laughs> yeah, forward. Like people, people will say, uh, people will say, uh, Hey boss, did you, that guy you just interviewed, did you hear his, uh, his yeah. episode on the James Alger show? show? He kind of said he doesn't really want to work. So I don't want to work. Hire him. I think I do. I just think, all right. So here's what founds this is I'm, I'm writing this whole comedy, tons of comedy about work lately. Cause I feel like the work is changing. Everybody's like, everything is changing. Um, but like, there's so much evidence to show that you just shouldn't be working as much as we're working. That like so, just just to just to start this conversation off, the one of the first bits that I discovered, not even doing that much research into this, was that the average American who who purportedly works for an eight to nine hour day, actually, according to studies, only accomplishes between three to to at most five hours of work. I think that, and that's being very generous. Oh, it's got to be hugely generous. I think that the average person probably only gets done two to two and a half hours of work a day. I think that, that, I think, that meaningfully moves the needle forward. Yeah, like at, at 
you know, I worked one job that was a cubicle job in an IT department and in a Fortune 500 company, and I I couldn't I couldn't even understand what was happening. Like people would get in at 10 a.m., then they'd go for a smoking break, then they'd go for a two-hour lunch, then another smoking break, and then the day's over. And, I, and then there'd be meetings, because meetings I don't really count as work. Like, no. there'd be meetings every day. But they just take up, they're a waste of time. Yeah. And, like, this is, I just wrote a joke about this the other day. I said, like, the, the most difficult part of an eight-hour workday is figuring out what to do with 90% of your time. Like, yeah. you just, and the other 10% Oh, yeah, by the way, is, then they're surfing the web now, yeah. like, the social media. I mean, you, If you are employing someone and you give them a computer, you are paying them to learn how to get better at looking up cat memes. Like there's the whole workday is just sitting down and figuring. I mean, like 90% of every office job I've had. And, and this is at companies where I've led teams that have created millions of dollars of pipeline and then have created, therefore, lots and lots of realized revenue. 90% of my day is figuring out what the hell I should be doing or what the hell anybody should be doing. Uh, I, I, so for me, I don't know about 90%, but I feel like a big, okay, chunk, maybe of, but a big chunk of that 90% <laughs> would be I never wanted to go to the bathroom because- Everyone on the floor is sharing the same bathroom. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go to the bathroom <laughs> next to my boss or the cubicle person next to me. Like, yeah. that's disgusting. But, James, how do you watch episodes from Netflix if you're not in the bathroom at work? Well, I would find, I would map out all of the available bathrooms within a two or three block radius. No, you I wouldn't. Would you City. really do this? Yeah, yeah. So, I worked on 42nd and 6th, <laughs> and um, the New York Public Library was was kind of down the street yeah. uh, uh, and I would literally, I would, sometimes I'd have to run there and for on the fourth level basement, you know, these libraries have like all these basements oh, with yeah. like the, the antique and rare books. Yeah. I'd find the most obscure basement level, find the one bathroom there and it was never, nobody even knew it existed. Yeah. And I would just stay there like watching, not watching Netflix then, but like reading rare and antique books for an hour in the bathroom. So this is yet this is a this is a, a blog post that's yet to become viral is the best public bathrooms to visit in Manhattan. Yeah, I feel like I feel like almost like it was a Seinfeld episode. I think George did actually make this kind of map, but it was I really was terrified of going to the bathroom next to my boss. But in back to the four day work week, you know why there's a five day work week? Well, uh, uh I think you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's because Henry Ford he ran a study that showed that people were more productive if they only worked eight hours and if they had two days to, to to get off i think you're correct and i think he was building off of the fact that there are there was never really more than a six-day work week because sunday was, was a always, day of rest yeah. but you know then some companies around the turn of this of the uh, you know 1800s to 1900s were like well we want the jews to work as well and <laughs> we're gonna only be able to hire them if uh we give them saturday off so it became saturday and sunday, sunday. Huh. and, and so it's just sort of arbitrary, but then some studies have kind I would of. I say Henry Ford did not do that. Henry Ford, known as <laughs> Henry Ford, hated Jews, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> he didn't give a shit about that. But uh, did he actually support Hitler? I don't know. I'm I'm sure he didn't say a lot of strong words against him. Did, Steve, do you know? I don't. I know he didn't, didn't like Jews. I know that much. I think he. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I don't even know when he was. Well, let me tell you, Henry Ford missed out because there are some great Jews. <laughs> exactly, he missed out. Yeah. Oh, even uh. Well, anyway, we're not going to go down that this whole path. But uh, I mean, can you imagine Henry Ford having to work that hard to just keep his? I mean, if he had like Jews, he wouldn't have had to hire so many accountants. That's terrible. It was a bad job. That, we could work on it though. We could workshop that. <laughs> edit, but, you can edit that out. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Hitler in 1933 said, "I don't care if Germany gets a few years behind in science. We're just getting Did all he the really Jews out. say that. Yeah, yeah, and and wow." And because all the Nobel Prize winners at that yeah. point, like think of Einstein, all, these, they were German. Sam Harris has this great quote where he's like, if you were to, he goes, just judging 
through the, 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 the Jews that came to America after the war, the amount of scientific progress, like it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, oh, mm -hmm. missiles and all that stuff. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, but Henry we're Ford, way okay, off topic. five day work week. But uh, there are studies that show if you give people a four day work week, because of the reasons you just said about productivity, that people aren't really that productive anyway. On, yeah. a, on a Like I was about to say, well, maybe they need those eight hours to find the right two hours to work. But I think that's BS. That's giving people too much credit. So Microsoft has done a study on this and various uh, employment agencies like Robert Half has done studies on this and Cronus has done studies on this, that a four-day work week actually does lead to not only the same productivity as a five-day work week, but significantly up to 40% more productivity because I guess people are more relaxed, they're, more, they're happier. Yep. Uh, all they, and they cite all these things that, that their quality of life is better, so they, they work harder during well, those four days. Well, I just days. think, so if I had it my way, I thought about this, if I had it my way, I think that if, if, if I was running a, the first thing I need to say is, even if I was CEO of a major corporation, I would also maybe be not sure if I would do this. But because it feels like there's just so much culture around this constant, like, you know, and I say 40 hours of work, like nobody who's in an office works 40 hours. You're working 45 to 50 hours normally. But if I had, if I was CEO, I think if I could design it and I knew, and I, and the data showed that it would help work, what I think I would do is I would have four days of work, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Ugh. Why the middle of the week? Because don't we want like the three-day three weekend? weekend? I think, I th I mean, whatever. Maybe I'd do like flex time. You can take Friday or Wednesday off. I think for me, I feel better if I have two days of work, then I take a day off, then okay. I have two more days of work. But I would also limit, I would say, your six hours a day. And, you, and, and of those six hours, only one hour can be meetings because it forces people to figure out what the heck they need to have decisions on. Most of the meetings that I was, I've ever been in have been basically crowdsourcing decisions and trying to figure out like different ideas. And if you don't come to that meeting prepared or if they don't come prepared, it's a complete waste of time. Yeah. I can't actually think of any meeting that's been ever worthwhile. Like even I, when, even when I used to, so I used to run a hedge fund and I would have to fly to different places to, as I was raising money, half the job of running a hedge fund is raising money. And never once have I flown to any place and actually had a successful business outcome from it. <laughs> like maybe it's because I just wasn't good at sales or whatever, but there's plenty, you kind of need to just find the opportunity where you are. Like traveling is, yeah. well, traveling sort of proves this point though about the four hour work week or four day work week, because when you travel, you're, you're, you're essentially skipping that whole day. Oh yeah. If you're flying to Chicago or even California from, from New York, that day is it's shot. Done. And you kind of, it's not like you land and say, oh my gosh, I'm a full day's work behind. I've got to catch up on the weekend. Yeah. You actually find that you didn't miss anything. No. I've never missed one thing by, by traveling during no. the work week. It, I, if, and I've never been able to be productive really on the road, but like most of the best creative thinking I've had has come from one of two places. It's either been me in the shower or me on an airplane because I'm like, I don't have anything to do. And this was before you know, mostly before I was doing most of my travel for sales um, and I was still doing comedy at the time uh, before Wi-Fi was on airplanes. Like that just came out like when I was doing a lot of this stuff, um, which actually makes me feel old. This is the first time I've ever we really have, felt we have, old. We have just aged you. Everybody else in this room is older than you. Now you're one of us. Um, it's like you're you're gonna this be is how it feels. You're gonna be you're gonna be undead soon. So it's like we're gonna suck the blood oh out of God. you in uh, podcast after podcast until you leave here super tired and wondering 
and you're going to be like all pale. Your hair's going to be gray, and we're all going to look younger. It's going to be like to steal your youth and vitality. <laughs> it's going to be like like that scene from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. <laughs> I feel it. like my that someone can gift my face and put it on r slash watch people die inside because it's while doing this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> while doing this podcast. So uh, anyway, where I was going with this was I would just get I'd have to get out a notebook and like creatively write and just whatever. And when you're in an airplane, there's nothing to do. So you just and a lot of that stuff is like when you are for because here's what's happening when you're in the shower, when you're on an airplane, when you're like when you're in a time in which somebody is telling you this is time in which you cannot be productive. You can't be. You can't. You can't sit here and write emails. You can't do out cold outreach. You can't whatever. You don't have access. Your brain it feels relieved of this idea of like being focused on trying to create something, and it, you know, or get specific work done. And as a result, it's able to wander and come up with different ideas and and this kind of thing. And I think that I think that a lot of people would be better served by having some of that time than having to be in an office thinking about like, how do I look productive or how do I look like I'm working hard or how do I create this next idea or whatever? Well, I guess Google was trying to sort of incorporate this idea by saying to all their employees, 20% of your time should be on your own projects outside of what your project, what your job is for Google. And that's how Gmail was created, for instance. It was in some guy's other 20% where he was just fooling around and he decided to make Google email. Yeah. And uh, so they sort of had this, this idea in a different way, but um, compare it to like the four hour work week. So Tim Ferriss's idea that, so Tim Ferriss was like running himself ragged, running this uh, nutraceutical company that he started. And he was just having like breakdowns because he was working too hard. And he realized, you know, there's this notion, the 80, 20 rule that 20% of what you do actually creates 80% of the value. Yep. So he figured if I could identify the right 20%, I only need to work, you know, eight hours. He, you know, he even wanted to call it, I think he wanted to initially call it the two hour work week, but his publishers thought it was too, too much. So uh, I might be wrong. He mentioned something like that to me, but so, so he figured out the four hour work week with the uh, four hours would be the ideal amount of time to get 80% of the value of his work. And he figured he didn't need the final 20%. So if he was making 200,000 a year, say with this company, okay, he could make 160,000 a year, but work only one fifth the hours time. or one-tenth the yeah. hours. And then I think a lot of times people interpret that to mean then the rest of your time you spent just goofing off. But his whole point was is that you could then spend the other 36 hours doing the equivalent of, of that. nine more 44-hour yep. work weeks so yeah. you get the work done of nine people. Well, Stephen Kotler, who uh, I think Who's you're— coming here tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you're going to interview soon. I'm a huge fan of his. I connected with him on LinkedIn because I read his Rise of Superman. One of the things he's fond of saying is when you're in a flow state, you're 500% more productive than you are when you're not in a flow state, which basically means if you are able to get into a flow state, let's imagine you spend six days of your week goofing off, doing whatever, and then through some marginal amount of of low-level intensity work, figuring out how you should arrange your one day of work, then you hit that one day and you're 500% productive. You've done the entire work week in one well, day. And And... To his point and to the the guy, I can't say his last name ever, Michele, whatever, who wrote... Chicksack Mihai. That's how you say his last name? I think that's how... It's Mihai Chicksack Mihai, I think. I hear this on every podcast, (laughs) by the way, and people are like, how do you say his name? I think that's how you say it. If all you know is have this one skill of saying his name, you could probably get on every podcast to talk about flow. But uh, so he... Heck yeah. (laughs) I expect... See me on every one in a week then. (laughs) he, He wrote the original book on this, I guess, in the early 90s. And his point is that... So, because people always say, well, how do you get in, either how you get into flow or in the Tim Ferriss example, 
how do you find the right 20%? Because it's not like you just yeah. do one-fifth of work and you get 80% of the value. You kind of have to find the 20% that creates the 80%. And that's sort of the hard part. It's yeah. very hard to predict in advance. But his point in the original book on this is that the more competent you are at something, the more likely you are to end up in flow. So for instance, it's a great example among chess players is that chess players can sit at a chessboard for six straight hours looking at positions in tournaments. Um, and that's, they reach this flow state in there, but they're more likely to hit that flow state, the higher ranked they are. Mm. So the more competent you are, the more you're able to kind of filter out the, the 80% that's not important. So you yeah. can focus on the 20% that are, and then you're more likely to hit that flow state where you're 500% more effective. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of en entertainment at NBC or whatever? 
So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or a pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's health care by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use HIMS from now Not on. that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Let's flip this around and talk about just in terms of performance, there's, there's two examples I can think of, which is one is comedy, which I know we have in common, which is that one of the things like you're talking about and what Chick Me High talks about in his book is like you're filtering out the information that's not important, which is like I don't need to pick, care about these pieces on the board because I know these are the critical pieces. That's what a chess grandmaster is thinking or, or just knows in his or her bones or their bones. Anyway, uh, the 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 comedian is like the same thing. Like I just hosted a show at um, an arcade bar in Chicago uh, last week and it was super, I mean, really crazy. There's arcade games playing. There's like all this stuff. There's so many distractions. And I remember I hit this point where I was on stage because I hosted the show. So I had to take the bullet basically and trying to create a space in which a show can occur with all of that distraction. I, that was my responsibility. And the way that I did it was I've had, I've done comedy for like 18 years and I just knew I just knew what I had to do to overpower this room to get their attention. But I couldn't pay attention to the TV playing or the arcade game. I just knew I got to connect with and lock in all these people in the show. And I know that I have the ability to do that because I've been doing this long enough. That's, that's when the flow state kicks in. 
Yeah, because then you know if you're, for instance, listening to the TV while you're trying to figure out how to make so and so laugh in the in the front row, you're not gonna be able to do. It. You're gonna be distracted. So you yeah. kind of like filter out. You know, you 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 kind of like make sure you're only focused on the distractions that will move you forward. Yeah, and you know how to do that because of competence. Yeah. So if someone just like randomly arrives at, or let's say someone's learning how to dance tango, if they're trying really hard to remember every step and every arm movement and every thing, they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to, they're definitely not going to be able to reach a flow state. But if they're, if they know, if they're really competent tango dancer, they know the music, everything's perfect. They'll be able to do everything without thinking. And that's this flow state. Yeah. I'd say like for anybody who's learned a new language, and I have another point to make about this when it comes to work and I'll flip this around in a second, but for anybody who's learned a new language, my competency with French came in when I got drunk and my inhibitions went away, and then I began speaking French very fluently and clearly to people. So go to work, get drunk, get, drunk. get trashed, <laughs> and you know exactly what to do from that point. You're pee on the boss's desk and get fired. And uh, uh, you heard it here first. But uh, but I but I do but but competence is an interesting thing because then you fall under like, well, does it take ten thousand hours to have competence, like Malcolm Gladwell says, or what is? Like like Tim Ferriss with his nutraceutical company, he had been doing it for several years, so he was competent enough to know what the right twenty percent sure. was. And by the way, that applies to everything. Like twenty percent of the employees do eighty percent of the work in a big corporation. Twenty percent, yeah. uh, twenty, and it was first noticed, I think, because someone Pareto. Yeah, he noticed that twenty percent of the seeds planted in the garden resulted in eighty percent of the flowers, yeah. and then he found out that this kind of occurs in almost every area of nature and life. Yeah. This eighty twenty rule. And by the way, you could square it so that. Uh, uh, you know, ultimately you can see that, that, that like the right 1% uh, equals essentially about 49% of the value. Yeah. Like you keep square, like 80, yeah, 20 square times 80, 5% results in 95% of the value mostly. Yeah. But let me flip this back because let me t say another thing that Tim Ferriss talks about, because one of the things I noticed, I've worked with a lot of startups um, in, in my sales career. And one of the things that I noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs or, or people who are just starting companies do is that they tend to focus on lots of things that are distractions. And then it's like, they get a lot of idea. They get great yeah, ideas. Totally. I agree with this. They get a ton of great ideas, but they're like, you can't, you have to triage your ideas and figure out what do you need to focus on and in what order. Right. Like in, in, in this context, a lot of people say, you know, I, ideas are a dime a dozen execution is everything. The problem people have actually is not on the ideas part and not even on doing execution, they don't know what execution to do. They're not very yes. good at effective. There's a spectrum of good execution to bad execution. And if they're not competent at, and know what they're doing in terms of executing, they're going to do the wrong 80% and not yeah. the 20% that's most effective. Yeah. I mean, think about dancing the tango. Like there's a handful of different steps that you can do. You can be individually great at each one of those movements, but if you don't place them together correctly, you're not, you're just going to throw your partner around the dance floor and trip over yourself. But like to, to, to back up, one of the things that Tim Ferriss talks about that I think applies here is that the, the availability or abundance of a resource, the amount of, uh, of infrastructure that grows around a resource is proportional to its availability. So if you have a lot of something, then we will have complex structures that will evolve around it. So what do you mean? What's an example? So the example in this case is time. So if you, so Tim, when he learns, when he learns a new skill, he gives himself a date at which he's like, I have to get this. Here's, here's the time in which I have to perform well on this because it forces him to reverse engineer a series of like, how do I break this down in order to get good at this? And that's, that's the thing with the 10,000 hours rule, I think, which is like, 
if you want to be a virtuoso, having 10,000 hours of completely uninterrupted, I'm just doing golf all day or whatever, you're going to get, or comedy, I'm going to get into a place in which I'm going to be unstoppable because I've been in so many situations that I can like, I now know in my bones how to do this. But like taking stand-up comedy as the example, the 80-20 of stand-up comedy is like, look, if you if you want to do a five-minute stand-up comedy bit, write a, a bunch of these jokes, um, cut them down so that the distance between the setup and the punchline is as short and as clear as possible. Now get in front of a mirror and do this with yourself, record it a hundred times and listen back to it and then just clear it up. Now get on stage and do it. That's it. That's You're a stand-up comic now. You've got five minutes of material. Right, and the way you just described it though, let's say someone is not competent at learning something, they're not going to know, okay, I need to videotape myself. I need to look at it. I need to cut out these words. So they might spend a lot of extra hours doing, you know, oh, why aren't people laughing? I thought this was funny. Instead of kind of taking, what you just did was essentially find the 20% that is, that is, gets you 80% there to being a stand-up comic as yeah. opposed to just uh, thrashing around looking for the right techniques yeah. to, to do it as opposed to just yeah. trying to be funny on at an open mic, which <laughs> yeah. is never going to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can be, I feel like if you get up and you can be funny at an open mic, especially if it's, if it's just in front of other comics, I feel like you are, in, you're already a virtuoso. Um, which never happens. Never happens. <laughs> it does. It doesn't happen to almost anybody. Um, yeah, no, but I mean like, well, you talked with Andy Duke about this, like, a good way to cut past a lot of this stuff is to figure out who do I talk to? Um, I mean, at least, at least in the $10,000 rule is who do I need to talk to whose advice I could really use, who knows what they're talking about. And, um, and that's one way to go about it. And, and honestly, if you're running a company and you have a team full of people, like you should be able to, if, if they have a direction, like no one should be hiring teams of people to try to figure out what the hell it is they're supposed to do. Like get a very small team of people to figure that out. And that's when you scale that team. And those people should be able to do that in four days a week. Yeah. Four days a week. So it might be the case really they only need one day a week, the best people. But I think <laughs> unfortunately society is set up that we're, that everyone's going to be calling the other four days. Like, where are you? We're all, yeah. <laughs> we're all working in between bathroom breaks. Like, and then we try calling you for a meeting and you're not there. So it's kind of, again, culturally, it's pro probably, probably two or three days is probably optimal. All, the, yeah. all I've known is they've done research on four days versus five days. And the research seems to show that a four day work week is much more effective. So, so practically speaking, since, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're working seven days a week, you, there's two things. Try to get more confidence so you figure out the 20% that's right. But at the very least, see if you could trim your work week down to, to four days because you'll probably be more effective just no matter what if you just trim your, your week down to four days. I think that if you, I think you should experiment with it. Like I think, um, like I used to do this with Quora articles and I do this with my 10 jokes a day now is that I limit the amount of time I have to get them done. So I would write a Quora article in 30 minutes. And if I, if I couldn't finish in 30 minutes, I would just finish, you know, in whatever amount of time I could, maybe it'd be 35, maybe 40. But if I finished in less than 30 minutes, I would open a second article and start writing. And, but I would never allow myself to go more than like 40 minutes. It was, it was a really short amount of time to write core articles. That's a good idea too, because it probably forces you to break writer's block. Like you just start. Answering. You just got to go. Yeah. And the same thing with my 10 jokes in the morning. So first thing I do every morning now, and I've been doing it since the beginning of the year is I get, I sit down and I write 10 jokes and and I have to get done within 20 minutes. So I have two minutes to write each joke. And by the way, these experiments are useful. Like I'll, I'll, I'll just close with, this is an experiment I did with my own work productivity. This was uh, when I was in graduate school. I, I, I lived a 25 hour day. 
So I had one less day a month, essentially. <laughs> but I would, you know, one morning I'd, I'd, you know, let's say wake up at 7 a.m. and go to sleep at 11 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. The next day I'd wake up at like 9 a.m. and go to, you know, midnight. And I would, I, I would keep extending the day. So finally, so, so my work day for part of the month would essentially be from like midnight to 8 a.m. And it would just keep on cycling through. This is, I love this. And James. it was great. It was really effective because then your schedule, you don't get, you don't fall into any bad habit. Like people say have a routine. You don't actually get into any bad habits in your routines because your, your schedule vis-a-vis -vis your friends and your coworkers and your peers and so on is different Constantly every single shifting. day. Yeah. And so it actually allows you that time, like you said, on the airplane yeah. to be productive and creative in odd moments of the day when you weren't expecting it. Well, like, it's, this is fascinating to me. First of all, I love this idea because that is the, your schedule equivalent of your hair. That is just like you. <laughs> it's, it's the 25 hour hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just looking at your schedule. You'd be like only, of course, only James would do this. Um, Cause no one really wants to deal with me anyway. So this was my excuse for being, uh, having, having no friends. Well, I'm living a 25 hour day. So <laughs> who am I going to have dinner with at, at 10 AM? <laughs> I can just imagine no one wants to hang out with me. And your psychologist is like, why? And you're like, well, first of all, I have a 25 hour day. I'm eating steak at, at 6 AM in the morning and no one, no one is joining me. This is, uh, oh my God. The, uh, so and drinking heavily at 4 a.m. So <laughs> we're all in bed. I don't know. That's like drinking heavily at 4 a.m. is normal in an Irish family. Um, so let me let me just say this also though, which is like that's so fascinating because that's the schedule look that you probably got extremely good at managing your time because that's the that is the schedule equi equivalent of keeping your body off balance, which is like they like Bill Burr does this on stage with comedy is like. He'll choose things that will alienate the audience from him because he wants to win them back over. You're mm. purposefully messing your schedule up almost every day in order to to work through figuring out what times are going to be useful for whatever you're doing. Yeah, that's I didn't think of it that way, but I was consistently writing three thousand words a day, which is about you know ten pages a day. Yeah. So and I haven't really I've done that since then, but I haven't consistently done that since then. Like then it was for years and years I was writing three thousand words a day while I was doing this experiment. Yeah. Well, this is like, I think that, that that that's the kind of thing, just to return to like, you have to have enough knowledge to know what the 80-20 is. It's like, it, that's the 10,000 experiments idea, which is like, just throw out all these different things until you start getting enough data and feedback to know where those 80-20 thing is going to be, basically. Which could lead to working four hours a week or four days a week or 25 hours a day. But yeah. the whole idea is play around and experiment with these things. The, the five-day work week is just arbitrary, kind of like most things in life. Life, yeah. <laughs> Where they're just sort of like defined, like someone defined it because of like, oh, this, the religious holiday, one group is this day, and this, it's just take, we can't deal, just take both days off. Like, yeah. we don't care. Yeah. And <laughs> and it was just sort of arbitrary. So yeah. do you ever read these, uh, this, okay, this will be the fine. Do you ever read these things like why the train tracks are a certain number of feet apart, like each rail on the train tracks? No. It's all related to how, it all goes back to how Rome, the width of horses on Roman roads. Really? And that it kind of defined the width of roads. Yeah. And then eventually you could trace it. If you Google this, you can see it traces all the, all the way back to uh, or up to uh, how wide train tracks are spaced. That's fascinating. It's a good thing that Tim Cook didn't exist when trains were being made or every year train tracks would be a different width. Are, is, the, is the iPhone different with every time? Yeah, no, I mean like just the charger, everything that's just, he's just gonna, I'm glad Jay got it. I feel like he's the only one who got that joke. But <laughs> Jay, Jay started laughing. All right, uh, Brendan, thanks so much. The four day work week and everything else. Thanks, James.
legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.